Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Wherever you are, this is the Interpreter's Workshop Podcast. I'm Tim Curry, your host. Here we talk everything sign language interpreting. The ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, the sideways of interpreting. If you're a student, a new interpreter, experienced interpreter, this is the place for you. If you want to know more, go to interpretersworkshop.com. Let's start talking interpreting. And now, the quote of the day. The first one, by Shreyash Mishra, entrepreneur and tech expert. Irony is when people claim to be an expert and do not possess rudimentary information about the field. In today's episode, I expand on something I brought out in last episode. And the topic is interpreters who like to have the spotlight and show their expertise about the deaf community and about sign language. The second quote is by Hans Rosling, who was a Swedish physician, academic, and public speaker. When you have valuable expertise, you like to see it put to use. Sometimes an expert will look around for ways in which their hard-won knowledge and skills can be applicable beyond where it's actually useful. So keep these two quotes in mind as we go through discussing whether or not interpreters should do interviews for television or radio or podcasts about others, about the deaf community, or even about deaf interpreters. Let's get started. We tend to talk a lot about our own experiences. When someone asks a question and we know something about that subject, we will tell as much about that subject as we can. We are trying to share, we are trying to connect with the people, to show our knowledge, to show how much we have learned, how much we have grown, how much we have experienced life in some way. When I have conversations here in the Czech Republic with my friends or colleagues, we get into discussions about comparing the U.S. with the Czech Republic, which is normal. It's common. They will share their experience of being in the U.S. or traveling to the U.S. or visiting family members in the U.S. and tell me what they know about the U.S., such as, oh, yeah, I know this restaurant or like Taco Bell, which is very unique to the U.S. in the Midwest. And for me, it's a way to connect with them, to say, oh, you know about Taco Bell? Yeah, have you tried this? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great, yeah, or it's bad, or what have you. And it's nice when they know some of the cities where I lived, or at least the state where I lived. But most commonly, people throughout Europe, or not just the Czech Republic, when talking with me, they say, yeah, I've been to New York, we drove across country along Route 66, I've been to San Francisco, New York, maybe Chicago, but rarely do they see the rest of the country. Most Europeans know where Florida, Texas, California, New York, where those states are. But when you get into the middle of it, it's hard for them to know exactly where they are in, in reference to the other places. 
And that's, that's normal. That's okay. That's common. There are 50 American states. Americans don't know all of the locations of every country in Europe or perhaps the sizes of all of them because there's so many. And having a conversation with someone about my country and their country, their culture, my culture, connections in different places, it gives a relationship a deeper meaning and we can discuss things a little bit more and ask questions of each other about those things. The problem occurs that when I have an opinion about his home country, that is more of a stereotype rather than the truth. It might be true in a narrow region or one group of Czechs, but not overall. And the same goes for his opinion about my home country, which means we are not experts, but we have some knowledge, some experience with those cultures and those languages. The same is true with interpreters. We have a level of competence in the language and a level of knowledge of the culture. We have to. It's part of our job. But it does not make us the expert. Even if we have a PhD in deaf studies or uh, sign language of that country, that still does not make us a better expert than an actual deaf native signer. So why do some interpreters answer questions about the deaf community or about sign language? I think there are different reasons for this. Sometimes it's all about time. We are in a hurry between two different assignments. We're trying to travel between the two of them, or perhaps it's a break time in between two workshops. And so to be polite to the hearing person who's asking these questions, we quickly answer them in a polite way so as to end the conversation with them politely so that we can then move on to uh, the next job. Another reason why some may do it is that it's an ego boost. There are times when we have this, the answers, we know we have the answer, and we may have the true answer for whatever question this may be. We want to give that answer because, one, it makes us feel good that we are sharing the knowledge and showing our education, showing our professional skills or our professional knowledge. And I think that connects to the fact that many times we work solo, we work alone, and we don't always get recognition for what we do. This is a wonderful, absolutely fun job. I love interpreting. But it can be difficult for some people when you don't have colleagues around you, you don't have a boss, and they're congratulating you for a great job, or they're saying, wow, you really, really did great this time, blah, blah, blah. We don't get those kudos a lot. One way we can give ourselves that boost of, of energy, of satisfaction in the job, is to be able to share our knowledge. Sharing our knowledge means that the others will look at us as educated, as not just skilled in sign language, but educated on this subject, in this field. We may be thinking, we are professionals when we answer questions that are better asked of the deaf community. Sometimes an interpreter will think, I need to answer these questions to teach the hearing people about 
the deaf community in a way that is correct, or this is a part of helping create awareness. In other words, they are thinking they are being an ally. So these interpreters sometimes think, I need to answer the questions because this is how I can support the deaf community by creating more awareness in the correct way, giving the right answers to their questions so they won't be misled by the myths or the illusion of what they think is real. This is a very fine line, and it's very difficult for us to stay off the wrong path. Yes, we may be answering some questions in a way that will help create more awareness and more knowledge that will be beneficial to the deaf community. But at the same time, we are subtly, secretly, unknowingly giving a lesson to the hearing majority that we have the power to speak for the deaf community. And we don't. Now, There may be times when it looks like it's okay if I answer these questions right now because of time, because of cultural mediation, or to enable a relationship connection between the two participants in the interpreting situation. So when I quickly answer a cultural mediation question, I'm being an ally to the hearing person to help the whole conversation go smoothly and appropriately such as, yes, uh, look at the client rather than myself, or please don't give that to me, give that to the client. Those sorts of things are quick ways, or quick decisions rather, that we use to make the whole process go quickly and appropriately. But there's a fine line when we do that. We must be careful. This may also cross the line, depending on your clients. For me, I tend to go more towards empowering the clients, deaf and hearing, rather than myself taking control of the situation. Again, this is a point that connects to the time. The reason we answer these questions is because time is short and trying to be an ally to both of them to allow the conversation to go smoothly and appropriately. So it's a time factor in there too. And those two connect, but it also shows, gives us that feeling of, I have the education, I have the appropriate professional knowledge that I can now intervene and make sure this goes quickly. This is also that fine line between my ego, I don't get enough recognition for what I can do or what I know, and being an ally. Knowing the fine line between those analyzing your decisions before and after such assignments will help you over time understand whether you are being more of an ally or being more controlling, more ego boosting. You yourself have to analyze, why am I doing this? Why did I do it? And it's completely appropriate to ask the clients afterwards, was I inappropriate for answering that question? Did I cross the line? Should I have asked you first? How do you want me to proceed next time? Asking the clients, hearing and deaf, and they will tell you how they felt at that moment. If they felt like, no, I felt like you were taking charge. Or did they feel, no, that that was fine. We needed to move on. Those kinds of answers I've gotten in the past. Every time you feel, 
I'm not sure that's that's right or not. If you have enough time in that situation, ask them right then or direct the question from yourself to the client. And then afterwards, because you had that feeling, that's when it's appropriate to ask the clients whether or not you were appropriate. I hope that was clear. Hmm. Appropriately appropriate. Interesting. Well, you know what I'm going to say. Click on the links in the description to subscribe, send me some feedback, or to buy me a coffee. Thank you very much. Let's go back. Okay, those are some of the reasons why some interpreters allow themselves to be interviewed as the expert for the deaf community. Now, they may not say, yes, I'm the expert, but allowing yourself to be interviewed to talk about the deaf community, it is inappropriate and professionally unethical. We may be bilingual, but we are not deaf. We do not have the culture and the language, the traditions, the knowledge, the feelings, the emotions, the experience is not the same. We don't have the world view of the deaf community. And when we accept an interview that is all about the deaf community or sign language, it can give a false impression to those watching or hearing our interview that we are an expert and that interpreters or hearing people in general can speak for that group, for that deaf community, for that other group, for that minority, which means doing the interview even with good intentions can cause harm to the community. Harm in creating the wrong awareness or the wrong perception in the hearing majority. It's always best to allow an interviewer to connect with someone of the deaf community, offering to interpret even for free, but asking that they actually ask someone from the deaf community. Because we, as hearing people, we have the privilege of being a part of the hearing community. We are seen in the spotlight more often than those in the deaf community. Because we are the interpreter, we are the ones seen in front of the audience, we are seen on the stage, we are seen in videos, we are seen on the TV, we are seen in the middle of the room interpreting for everyone. Therefore, everyone's attention is on us rather than on the deaf community. This is why it's a very fine line for hearing people or interpreters to do videos on YouTube or any other platform in music, because one negative aspect of that is that we, again, are in the spotlight. We are showing our skills in sign language and our skills and knowledge of music and the spoken language, the language being sung. And I'm not sure that's creating awareness for the deaf community or even of sign language because it can perpetuate, it can continue the perspective of sign language is connected to the spoken language. It's the same as the spoken language, only it's visual. Okay, so that's a topic for another day. Artistic interpreting just for fun. The point is, again, we 
as interpreters are seen signing and interpreting in the middle of the groups more than the deaf are seen. So when we are seen, it's more awareness of interpreting rather than awareness of the deaf community. Therefore, the more we can take that power away from us or take that view away from us and back to those in the community, the better it is for awareness and understanding and connection with the majority. There are only a few rare exceptions where we do answer some of those questions. I can think of times when the two parties were wanting to communicate rather quickly. Neither one had time to get off topic. And I have answered a question quickly so that the communication and the goals that both parties had were met. It was also a time when both parties understood each other well, were working together well, and therefore the decision to answer a question that way was appropriate. But even then, I made sure after that short conversation to ask if it was appropriate and acceptable. One last point I would make is concerning deaf interpreters. Those of us who work with deaf interpreters need to remember that, again, we are seen more often than the deaf. Deaf interpreting as a profession is rather young in the world's eyes and sometimes misunderstood. One way we can start reversing the misunderstanding and help create awareness more is to let our deaf team lead. Let the deaf team member lead the conversation with the organizers of an event or the clients involved. Allow them to be the initiators of the conversation, of the greetings, etc. Let them be the one to talk to both clients first, to introduce you as a team. That small step will allow the two parties to see that we are equals. The deaf interpreter, the hearing interpreter are a team. We are one. We are both interpreters, whether we're deaf or hearing. It doesn't matter. We're both doing the same job, transferring the message and the intent from one language to another. Thanks for listening. If you have feedback or comments or you want to support the show, check out the links in the description. And as always, share the podcast with a colleague to spread the passion for our profession. I'll see you next week. Take care now.